0: Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ.
1: The title for today is Ex- Expect the Unexpected. Expect the Unexpected. Anybody relate to that? Uh, or a secondary title is One the, the, the Brooks and Our Life Dry Up. First Kings 17, seven. Now, last time, we saw how God taught Elijah and us a lesson on dependence, right? And uh, if you weren't here, once again, listen to the podcast, get caught up. But he taught us this lesson on dependence. And we saw how he drank from the brook, and then the ravens brought him bread and meat, right? Brought him bread and then pieces of meat. And we talked about that. And I said, how oh, I'm really kind of like an Elijah because God's already doing that for me. Uh, now now you can show the picture, Mike. Uh, I shared about how the cats bring us. We have four cats. They bring us meat every morning. I can always have my pick of breakfast any day. It's it's there for the for the taking. And these are I took this picture. These are all intact mice. Often they're missing a head or there's guts spilling out. You can it's horrible. But anyway, uh, and and the camera is always like there's a mouse out on the porch. I'm like why are you telling me go do something? It's my job, right? So anyway. I'm like Elijah, I have this food brought to me too. Uh, so, you can take that picture off, thank you Michael. All right, so. <laughs> the call of the wild. But anyway, so today we find, e- we find Elijah is relaxing. Now you can bump it up, thanks Bri. We find Elijah relaxing by the brook, right? By his brook, enjoying room service, whatever he wants it. Here's bread and meat brought right to him by the ravens, right? So, and everything's going great for him, and all of a sudden, his world gets rocked. His world gets rocked. Have you ever had that happen? You're living faithful, faithfully, you are obedient, you're persevering, and then something shocking happens? Anybody can relate to that? We're going to see this with Elijah today, and the lessons are for us, too. The lessons are for us, too. Why I call the expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. When our life, a brook in our life dries up, what is God trying to say to us? What is He trying to teach us? Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for an awesome Thanksgiving, blessed Thanksgiving time. And Lord, now as we look at a shocking verse, really. Something that's really surprising and shocking, Lord, I know every one of us can relate to this. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and move us forward in our faith, whether it's a step of faith we move forward or whether we come to faith today, put our faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us now, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's read the passage, and since we're so early, I'm going to just start with verse 1 here, early in the chapter. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I have served, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord told him. He went to the Careth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And now, Mike Joy, jump to verse 7. We're just gonna, this is what we're going to focus on today. Verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. The brook dried up. And that's as far as we're going to go today. Have you ever... Well, I'll say this. Elijah is doing exactly what God told him to do, right? He went exactly where God told him to. He is humble. He is, and you've heard the last few weeks what we've done, and if you haven't, get the podcast or the CD. But he's he's humble. He's obedient. He's faithful. He's persevering. And then the brook dries up. The brook dries up. Why? What is God doing? You ever feel that way? God, what are you doing? Why? Some of you might feel like that right now. Why? It doesn't make any sense, God. I'm faithfully following you and wham. Ouch, right? It's unbelievable. But God has a purpose every time a brook dries up in our life. And there's many different brooks in our life that can dry up. Every time a brook dries up, God has a purpose in our life. And you think about this. Elijah's brook dried up. It didn't just go dry. If you ever been by a crick? Remember I talked about the whole crick thing? It's slow. It's gradual. It's a process. So day by day, as this drought deepens, his brook is drying up day by day, testing Elijah's faith. And since Elijah is a man just like us, how do we know that? James, James chapter 5, right? He's a man just like us. I'm sure he's second-guessing here. He's probably second-guessing God. God, What's going on here? He's probably second-guessing his call. Did I really hear God right? Did he really want me here? I'm sure he's second-guessing his uh, himself or his faith. Am I really following God? I'm sure He's second guessing God because this, this brook has dried up. But if, now get this there, if we are right where God wants us to be, if a brook in our life dries up, we know that God has a purpose for that. There are no coincidence in the Bible, right, for a Christian. And even if we make a big mistake, we mess it up, we still know that. Romans 8. 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. We know God's going to work it out for his good purpose. Somehow, God's going to work it. So even if we make a mess, but, but the point is here that if we are where God wants us, we know he has a purpose for everything in our life. We mentioned James 5. Elijah was a man just like us. But we back up to James chapter 1. Remember verse 2? We've hit this many times, but I think we could use a quick reminding here. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of our faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Hmm. God sends us these Pure joys. Remember I talk about what's your PJ? Remember the PJ? Some of you, some, I still have people say to me, oh, Mary, we were in James? I, I, this is my new PJ, you know, the, the new pure joy. What in our life is God using? Who in, in our life is God using to mature us, to complete our faith? God brings these unexpected things into our life to do that. I shared this a while ago, but remember uh, Josh, when I still remember when I was even looking at this verse, I was like, Josh, Joshua, who you know has a younger brother, Nathan, and they're great friends now, but when they were younger, Josh was like maybe 7th grade and Nate was like in 5th grade. They were not good friends. They were always on his nerve. They kind of hit that age where they kind of grew apart for a little bit. It happens. And I'll never forget, Nate was making Josh crazy. And I was talking to Josh one day, and he was so upset, he said, Dad, it would be easy to be a Christian if it weren't for Nate. I said, Josh, God's using Nate to really make you a Christian. (laughs) Yeah, right? Isn't that true, though? Can you think of someone right now? PJ, now they're best friends. I I remember uh, for Kim, for many years it was, uh, her PJ uh, was, was Emily, uh, and, and Emily, she's grown up to be this wonderful girl now, all right? but, but when she was little, oh, she made Kim crazy, she made her crazy, and years ago, I, I told this, but it, it, I had to tell it again, the, uh, Emily would just drive her to distraction, just w- whatever Kim did, she was there asking questions, asking questions, trying to help, just distracting her tremendously, kind of like the new baby's doing, but anyway, we won't go there, but... Uh, I'll never forget, one day I came in, it was, it was my going to be my birthday, and I asked Kim to make my favorite cake, the cherry cake. Uh, if you've ever seen my cherry cake, you know why. It's just an awesome, awesome cake, and everybody wants a piece. But anyway, we won't go there. Uh, I'm the only one who really likes it. But anyway, it's really hard to make. It's my mom's old recipe, who probably got it from her mom, and it's really, really hard to make. You have to make it from scratch. It's a real pain to make. Kim does not like to make it, but... Since it's my birthday, that's all I wanted. She made it. So I, I come in, excited to eat my cake. I'll never forget it. A couple years ago, um, it's been a while now, but, but I come in about eight years ago, and I come in, and, and here's Kim finishing up the cake, and she has this face. <laughs> man. Angry, upset, frustrated. I mean, it was one of those faces like, you know, you come in and you're like, I'm not going to talk to my wife today. You know, one of those faces. I'm like, why is she so mad? It's, I know the cake's a pain, but why is she so mad? And she goes, You better enjoy this cake. You better love this cake. I go, I will, I will. Because you know, this is what happened. And, and she looked like a mess. I'm like, You know, what? You look, you know, she just looked dis- 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 disheveled, you know? I'm like, Oh, you know, what happened? She goes, I'm making a cake and Emily keeps bugging me and bugging me and asking me questions and trying to help and helping and bugging me and the next thing I know my hair got caught in the beaters you know and the frosting and the next thing I know it was all stuck up to my head and I couldn't get it out I was tempted to cut off my hair you know she goes you know how sticky this cheery frosting is I go no thank you I don't think I'll have any now but uh, uh, uh. so she's like so you better love this cake so she had her hair all caught and, and here's Emily trying to help get it out Yeah, you know? Emily, Emily, right? And, and, is, and that the Emily, what well, I said I, later on after we, she recovered from that, I was kidding her about Emily being her PJ, you know? And, uh, but who in our life, who in our life, you know, it took her forever to get those, the hair out of the beaters, then she had to get the cherry cake frosting, which is exquisite frosting, by the way. Uh, it's, uh, get that out, and, and it just was a nightmare, right? But, but we all have PJs in our life. It could be a person, it could be a event, could be something in our life that God is using to, to mature us, to, to mature us. Who or what is God using in your life to bring you to completion, to maturity? And it's not an enjoyable thing or a person. It's someone that's going to the, the, the stretch us spiritually and stretch our faith. So what is God teaching Elijah here? He's teaching him something. Well, one obvious answer is to completely depend on him, right? To really depend on God. And you say, well, isn't he already doing that? Isn't he already... No. He was depending on God and the... Brook. And the ravens. Alright? He was depending on God and the brook. But now that the brook is dried up, guess what? Who's he depending on? Just God. There is no brook. (laughs) See, whenever there's God and something else, even though God supplied it, we still depend on that, don't we? That person, that thing, that place. We still depend on that. But when it's gone... We are just depending on God alone. And that is what happened. He's completely dependent on God for real now. And the word "kereth," the the ravine kereth means, literally means cutting. It's a cutting, you know, the ravine caught by the the brook, by the flooding brook when it's flooding. Cut it there. It means cutting. And that's exactly what God is doing. There's no accident he sent him to that brook, which means cutting. Okay. Because that's exactly what he's doing in Elijah's life. God is cutting some things away. He is pruning him. It reminds us of John fifteen one to two. In John fifteen one, where he says, Jesus says, "I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful." Now, I know most of you don't know what that's talking about because you grew up in the city, right? You're city slickers. But I do know because I grew up on a farm, as you know, and especially grapes. But any fruit tree, anything, if, if there's a branch on that vine or on a tree and it's not bearing fruit, you cut it off, you throw it in the fire. We used to have some great fires with the orchards there, right? But if there's a, a, a vine or a branch that's really bearing fruit and it's really fruitful, you don't cut it off. But you do go through with a little snipper on the vine and you look for little shoots starting off because those little shoots distract the fruit. They pull away from the fruit, the the real good fruit that's being produced. They, they distract and it could, there's nothing wrong with these vines. They're not dead, but they still distract. You have to snip them off. That increases the fruit of that vine or that tree branch. It increases, increases it. You're going to get a better, Better production of the fruit because you've cut off these little distracting branches or vines that that sap the fruit producing energy of that. And that's exactly what God does in our life. What he does is doing in Elijah, and he does in our life too. He wants to maximize our fruitfulness. That's what he does with us constantly, and that's why we should always expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Maybe your life is drying up. Maybe there's a brook in your life drying up. Maybe it's your ministry. Maybe you've had this fruitful ministry and it's starting to dry up. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your job or a business that you have. Maybe it's your friends that are you losing friends or moving away or even dying. Maybe it's family. Your kids are all moving out and, and you don't have the, the kids around anymore. Maybe God is getting you ready to move you somewhere in a new direction. Don't miss next week. Don't miss next week. We're going to see that God is getting Elijah ready for a move, not just teaching him complete dependence, but he's getting it ready to take him on another step, which isn't going to be as enjoyable as you would think. <laughs> Ooh, wait, don't miss it. I can't give it away. Next week, don't miss it. But, but God is definitely teaching us deeper dependence on him alone. We know for sure, maybe he's getting ready to move us to a new direction in life, but he's definitely teaching us deeper dependence on him alone. We know that for sure. And sooner or later, every one of us, sooner or later, no matter how self-sufficient, how comfortable you are, whatever, a brook in our life will dry up that God will use to get our attention, to teach us this. It may be financial, it may be emotional, it may be physical, but something in our life will dry up that we'll, we, God will use to shock us and to get our attention and to teach us to totally trust in him instead of that brook. Instead of whatever is drying up, he will remove it so that we totally depend on him. We often think we're totally depending on God when we're not. Just like Elijah probably thought, yeah, I'm totally dependent not, not till the brook was dried up. We think we are, but really we're not. And then God puts puts us in a very tight spot to teach us deeper dependence. Much deeper dependence. I remember uh, experiencing this before, and I'll tell you a story. Remember I talked about the inner city ministry that we had back in Connecticut called Intermission. And we, uh, I would... We would have these kids from the inner city that we would bring. We would pick them up from a very, very rough area. Uh, this place was so rough, they finally bulldozed it. They just went in and knocked it down, put it, get it, put it out and knocked it down. It was that bad. It was called Father Panic Village, after a, a priest who used years before had ministered in that area, but the name was Panic. <laughs> it really was a panic place. It was so bad. It made Kensington look safe. This place was that bad. I, I go down Kensington, it's no big deal. Compared to where I was, this place was Bad, bad, bad. And, and But we would bring these kids back to the church to, for youth group. And then I would take them back. The teenagers, I had the little kids ministry we talked about. But the teenagers, we would bring them back. And one night, it was after youth group on a Wednesday night. And my usual driver wasn't there. He couldn't drive. And so I was going to have to drive. And I said, okay, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll drive. And I grabbed the van keys. And I said, okay, guys, load up. I'm going to be driving you today. And I said, anybody want to anybody go with me? Any of the other youth leaders? And uh, there's one guy named Joe, he was a real character, Joe, he, um, he said, I'll, I'll ride shotgun with you. Yeah, he's a really funny guy. Uh, quite a character, as you'll hear. And so he said, I'll ride shotgun. So I said, okay, good, get it. So he gets into the van and I get in and I start driving and I'm almost to the, I go from the suburbs, I cross the, the line into the, the city, Bridgeport, and I'm just getting down there and all of a sudden I look and notice there's, the gas is like below E. Of course, the youth pastor's got to fill the gas, right? Not, you know, everybody else uses the van and it's always left to me to fill the darn van, right? So I'm like, oh, great, you know? So uh, there's no gas. And I said, uh, so I said, no problem. I reached for my wallet and I forgot it. Because I wasn't planning on driving. I just jumped in and grabbed the keys and started, I don't have my wallet. I'm like, oh, no. And, and I'm driving, I'm like, guys, uh, we're running out of gas. You know, uh, and we're almost to where they lived. There was only one gas station down there where they lived, near where they lived, about a mile, half a mile from there. And, and I was just coming up to them, I said, guys, we... We're almost out of gas, and they—they—they they, they, they panicked. And they go, "We can't run out of gas. You can't run out of gas." They lived there, and they were scared. Think about me, you know? you know. I was really a sitting duck. I'm not. This isn't racial, but I was the wrong color to run out of gas down where we were running out. Right? They were scared, and they lived there. Think about what it was going to be like for me. It was—it ter- was really scary. Nobody—nobody nobody stops and runs out of gas in this area. Shocking. Some of the stuff I saw down there. So I'm like. I'm like, well, guys, who has money? Nobody has money. And of course, they don't have money, right? If they had, it, they would spend it. These kids. So I said, well, look, look around the van. Look under the seats. Look at, look under the, you know, under the the mats and stuff. These guys, they know how to. Take care of a car. Anyway, so they are ripping out seats and pulling up the mats and they start flipping stuff and they're looking everywhere and they start, I found a nickel, I found a dime, I found a quarter." You know, they find all this money. So we're driving. They say, okay, add it up, add it up. So they start kind of go, 98 cents. It was 97, 90, I'll say 98. Somewhere, it was just below a dollar. 98 cents. I go, oh, good. That should just be enough. That should just be enough. So I pull into the gas station right there. And first of all, first of all I always pray before I go because I'm scared just driving down here anyway. I always pray, God, you know, please protect us, you know, And but I'm in this van, and a lot of people know it's a church van, when I at least pull into the, the project there, the, you know, the ghetto, what they called it, the ghetto, the kids call it the ghetto, when I pull in there, so I had the van as kind of a protection, but I still pray, God, please protect me, you know, I always prayed that way, so I pull in here, and uh, I pull in, and I uh, said, uh, I walk up to the lady at the, at the, the, the pay before I pull the pump, and I walk up, and she's behind bulletproof glass, no kidding, behind us, and, and I, I put my 98 cents into that little you know, dip thing and drop it in. I said, could I have 98 cents? And she looked at me, and she pointed at the sign, tapped the sign right above it. Minimum $1. I said, yeah, I, I, I know, but all I have is 98 cents. Couldn't I just get this one time? Tap, 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 $1 you know, the gas station Nazis, you know. So she's snap, tapping. tapping. and I'm like, yeah, you don't understand, I, it's a church fan, and I sh- just found out it was empty, and I got a whole load of kids, and she taps it, one dollar, you know. She wouldn't just say, and I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand, look at me, look at me. I'll be killed, you know. She goes, leave now or I'll call the police. You know, oh, she was not nice. Uh, and so I'm like, yeah, leave now or I'll call the police. She grabs the phone, I'm like... That's all I need, you know. On top of everything else, be bailed out, right? So I said, Oh, God. So I get back, I go, Guys, with my 98 cents, I put it there. I go, Guys, start praying. Start really praying, and these guys were scared too, and, and and I was really scared. So I'm like, God, please help us, please help us. And I go drove that half mile, and I start pulling up. And I said, I'm not even gonna really stop, guys. I'm gonna slow down a lot, start bailing it out, you know. I was afraid to run out, and, and so I barely stopped. They all jumped out, and then they all ran for the you know their places. And I started driving, and I'm driving back. I'm like, God, please, please, because I know if I run out. It's going to be ugly. I I saw enough cars get, you know, windows smashed. It was crazy. It's like a war zone down here. No kidding. And I'm like, God, please, please, please. I'm praying the whole way. Praying. I mean, before I would pray, before I left to come back. Now I'm really praying. Why? Because i cannot not depending on the van anymore. It doesn't have any gas. now I'm really depending on God. Really, depending on them the whole time. God, every time the you know the wheels turn, God, please, please help us, help us, please don't let us run out of gas, please just multiply the gas. You did it with the loaves, do it with the gas. Yeah, you know, I'm like scared, really scared, and I'm just driving and I'm dr- getting back in, and, and finally we crossed the town line. We went out of the the Bridgeport line into the suburbs, that where we live. We crossed the line. It was a safe area. I was like, oh. We're going to make it, Joe. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. Thank you, God. I was just so thankful. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I'm driving. And, and as I'm driving, uh, we we see a, a little diner up up you know up along the road. And, and Joe said, hey, why don't we stop and get something to eat? Celebrate. I go, with what? 98 cents? Like, what, are we going to get a coffee? He goes, oh, no, I've got money. <laughs> I'm like... What do you mean you have money? He goes, yeah, I have plenty of money. I go, why didn't you offer it when we were at the gas station? He goes, why well, didn't want to use it for the church gas van? I wanted to, I figured we'd get something to eat on the way home. I said, Joe, dead people don't eat food, Joe. We, they don't eat food. If you're dead, you don't eat. Don't you know that? And he goes, oh, 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 you know, this guy was such a character. I go, and we're not stopping to eat either, Joe. You know? and so I you know, but I learned every time the wheel turned, praying, praying, praying. That's the difference. God will put us in these places. Could be sickness, could be loss. Could be job, loss of job. Could be anything. Think about it. We all go through some really, really serious crisis. But that's when we really learn to to be completely dependent on God. It's when we're in that place. And when God sends that testing time, what happens when He sends that testing time? It exposes what's really in our heart. When that brook dries up, like I said, verse 7, when the brook dries up, it exposes. Our real level of dependence, and it teaches us a whole new level, and it also exposes what's really in our hearts. Because what happens? Nobody here, but you might know someone like this when this happens. We get impatient, we start to fret. We start to get mad at God and everybody else, right? Nobody here, but you probably know people like this. Uh, We start to scheme. We start to come up with a plan how we're going to solve this problem on our own because God's not doing it quick enough, right? And so we go looking for a new brook. We go looking for a new brook instead of waiting for God to finish his purpose at the brook we're at, that dried-up brook which we're going to see next week. Don't miss next week. Then he gives us the next step. After we've com- his purpose is complete at that brook, after we are mature and complete, James 1, to 2-4, once that happens, once he's finished pruning us, John 15, 1-2, once he's finished pruning us, then he gives the next step to take, And not, but it's a step of faith. Not in the flesh, it's a step of faith, which we're going to see next week. And you may be here t- and you might not be a Christian yet. You might be self-sufficient. You might think, I got this. I'm good enough. I'll show up at the heaven and, and I've done enough good things. God's kind of going to let me in. Or you've, you just haven't really seen the need for God. But God is now maybe, and I pray to God he does it for everyone here. He's starting to bring you to the end of self. And he sends something into our life, into every life, to bring us to our knees and to the cross, and to Jesus, and to surrender our life to him. Maybe he's brought you to that place. I'm going to ask Sean to come up here. Sean, uh, about a week ago, said, Chuck, I'd like to share something. You know what I've been through in my life, how God's worked in me to bring me to faith and grow me. And, and I want to share, take, take some time to share, a few minutes to share. So I said, it's perfect timing. Here we go. I have the, the brook drying up. It's a perfect time to share. So I'll let Sean kind of share his story and then I'll. Finish. Perfect. Thank you, yeah. Chuck. I,
0: I uh, have shared this story, but I really haven't uh, shared it in a lot of detail uh, over the, uh, uh, my uh, transformation change. Uh, this goes really well with uh, it actually lines up exactly with what uh, Chuck is talking about. And uh, I want to talk about uh, two events in my life that uh, God used has used to uh, where the brook is dried up for me and uh, I had to become uh, totally dependent on him. Um, the first In order to tell the second story, which was when I was in the hospital uh, just a few weeks ago, I really have to uh, get a little bit into detail about how I ended up the first time in the hospital and what God was doing uh, in my life to teach me uh, to depend on him. So uh, in order to do that, we have to kind of take a look. So uh, please don't judge me. (laughs) <laughs> it's a judgment-free zone. So uh, I, we have to take a, a, a look. I'll start in the middle, uh, where I was at the, at the uh, uh, breaking point. Uh, I was broken. I was dead, uh, literally, figuratively, and spiritually uh, on the floor. But in order to get to that uh, place it's important to understand uh, a little bit of my history. And what what Chuck really does an excellent job with, and which we all appreciate here, is giving context. Giving context to the Bible. Uh, We we don't uh, pick a verse and uh, use that verse for our own uh, meaning or for our own uh, justification. Uh, What he does is he goes through, as we all know, he goes through an entire chapter of the book, and uh, he goes through line by line and teaches us uh, the context of the story. So here I am. uh, I'm a a senior in college. Uh, My best friend has uh, just been killed in a car accident, um, and I had a crisis of faith. They should know that I was brought up, and I will use this term, and, and I'll explain it a little bit. I was brought up fundamentally as a 19th century Gnostic. All right, and what just to explain a little bit of Gnosticism, uh, Gnosticism is a belief that uh, this is all material, our body, it's all material, and it doesn't really exist. What exists is our pure, perfect state. Um, in God. Now, they use God. They don't say Christ. They don't say Holy Spirit. It's God, um, and that's fine. I had a number of healings, and uh, I have uh, uh, brought up very in a very strong um, prayer healing to God, not to Christ, not to the Holy Spirit, not to. This is a fundamental difference. Now, so this, I had a crisis of faith when my uh, uh, best friend was killed. There's no alcohol. We couldn't drink, smoke, couldn't do anything at college. I mean, it was it was it was very uh, fundamental, not 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 Christian fundamental, but a fundamental uh, uh, experience. So he's killed. Uh, in this car accident. Now, part of the problem with his being killed was, uh, his name was John, was that uh, it was my responsibility to, he told me from the first day I met the guy, he's a prodigy, he's he's only 18 years old, graduating from college, prodigy. And he told me, "I, I cannot drive. I have a car, but you need to drive everywhere. It was my responsibility to drive, and uh, in that particular situation, I was not driving. He was with uh, another friend, and, and so I t- it's not correct, but uh, still, it's, pre- it's pretty heavy, and uh, so he was killed. So I had a crisis in faith, I said, look, this isn't working for me. I don't understand how... That, so I moved away for 25 years, functionally moved away from religion, brought my kids up in, in a mainline, we'll call it, uh, uh, religion, and uh, you know still recognize the importance of it. But at the same time, uh, this crisis of faith led me down a, a pretty awful path. So here I am, I'm sitting on uh, the commode, for those of you uh, younger people, uh, uh, the toilet. Um, So I'm sitting here, I can't speak, physically cannot speak, um, uh, uh, throwing, uh, you know, the whole nine yards. And I have this absolutely incredible uh, pain in, in my entire body, center, certainly in this, my back. End. So I'm sitting there and I am uh, convinced that it's done. It's over. Uh, life is over for me. And this isn't a false uh, conviction. Yeah, I, I w- it was done. My daughter had just left uh, the house uh, I didn't say goodbye to her because I couldn't speak. Literally, if you've ever had that nightmare where you, words don't come out of your mouth, well, I, I'm here to tell you that's exactly how it feels. No words will come out of your mouth. It's pretty uh, It's pretty intense. So I'm sitting here and uh, I say, look, If you exist, God, it's your decision. Yeah. Whether I die or whether I live, it's up to you. If you exist. okay, Pretty straightforward. I had nowhere else to go. Stream had dried up. Work had dried up. I was done. Just about that point, uh, for no reason whatsoever, and she, would, uh, she will attest to this, my daughter, turns around. Something told her something wasn't right. She turns around. She comes upstairs. I, I managed to have gotten myself off of the uh, commode, and she comes upstairs, and for the next hour, let's say, uh, we work our way downstairs, all right? Upon which I'm in the uh, uh, on the floor uh, in the family room and uh, proceeded to die. And uh, it was very. I can hear this whenever. It's funny to say. Whenever uh, there's a challenge in the Bible that. it's not God breathed. Let me tell you when you hear uh, when you when you receive um, a message, uh, you'll remember for the rest of your life. You remember the tone, and you. Remember. Anyway, so I'm I'm there, and it's clearly in my head as as as, a, as if it was last night. You are not done yet. Okay, my eyes pop open. Um, and I proceed to the hospital, and uh, at that point, it was a pretty clear message, uh, they said it's the second most painful way to die uh, with, uh, uh, oh, and uh, so they waited, and, and uh, uh, at that point she was just a friend who is now my wife, Monica, was able to uh, uh, come and uh, My daughter called them. They they kind of nursed me along until the uh, ambulance got there. So here I am. All right. So I got to commit my life to God. This uh, next to the bends. This is the second most painful way to die. So I was in a lot of pain. You know, we're up there on the 14 meter. So I said, okay. So anyway, in the next proceed after that. For the next five years, it took five years. Got rid of, changed every single thing in my life, except uh, uh, my kids. Everything. All right. Everything from, you know, the people, places, things. Joined the got got really involved. Joined the uh, our prayer team, uh, which is, uh, by the way, a. A big motivator, and uh, I encourage if uh, Holy Spirit pushes you to uh, join the prayer team, please do. Um, so I change everything. All right, So here I am. I'm rolling right along. Everything as Chuck was just talking about, everything I'm doing, I'm absolutely convinced, absolutely convinced, is for his glorification. when I say everything. I'm professor at Cairn University. I'm uh uh active in church, I mentor uh people, uh I uh, Christian I mean ever, absolutely everything, to the point where last year, now I'll share this with you, zero income. Nothing, not one dollar for me. Didn't make one dollar. All right part of the process. We're learning. So here I am. I'm rolling along. I'm writing this book. And I'm in this chapter. And I'd, it's in the biblical experiential entrepreneurship. This is the whole thing. So I'm rolling right along. And it's about 11 o'clock in the morning. And everything was going well, really well. And at, by 11.15, I'm throwing up. I'm in incredible pain. And I say to myself, all right, what the heck is going on here? Doing everything right. Yeah, doing everything right. Da, da, da. You know, top to bottom. Changed all my food. Did everything you asked me to do, Lord. So, end up in the hospital. Got this uh, gallbladder issue. Again, we're back at this twelve out of uh, the ten scale pain. Um, uh, so I, I spent the next three days—the first three days—absolutely in complete uh, uh, fair pra- uh, prayer, fasting, and meditation. I should—I should note to you interesting thing about fasting. So this is three days. This isn't 12 hours a day. This is 23 and a half hours a day because you can't sleep when you're in that much pain. It doesn't matter what medication they give you. It doesn't matter. You cannot sleep. So 23, 23 and a half hours. I spend prayer, meditation, and fasting. People come in the room. They say, why isn't the TV on? Why isn't this and that? Okay, this is what I'm doing. All right, fair enough. So they go in on Saturday, I went in on Wednesday, on Saturday they go in and they remove my gallbladder. turns out my gallbladder had died. It was dead in my body, it was all, it was dead. And this is the source of the pain, so they removed it. This was a different pain, I should note, than the first time around. It was painful, but it was a different kind of pain. It is clear to me, I gotta give up fats in my diet. That's fantastic. I can do that. Listen, uh, look. Give up red meat? Big deal. I'm. It's like a ton of bricks hit me in the head. I got to give up dairy. You don't understand something. That's ice cream. This is cheese and ice cream. Now, again, we're in the judgment-free zone. So, so we get, we got to hold off here. Ice cream, to me, was an event. Okay? And this wasn't a little, nice little bowl of ice cream that I would dabble in. So this was one half of one half gallon every night. And I justified it. I thought to myself, look, anyone else were eating the way I'm eating? Weigh 350 pounds. Look at me, I'm at 235, 230. Yeah, no problem. So I had all this justification. This event of eating ice cream had become an idol, for lack of a better word. So I'd sit there, didn't have to think about absolutely anything else in my life except for eating this ice cream. Cheese was the same way. I didn't use a little bit of cheese. It was a lot of cheese all the time on everything. So my point is, is that it's very clear. You never know when this uh, brook is going to dry up, and you've got to change something. I thought I was doing everything right. I thought everything is uh, perfect in my little God world. And uh, uh, he stopped me short. He so said, no, <laughs> you thought you got rid of everything. You didn't. You didn't get rid of everything. You gotta get rid of this uh ice cream you gotta get rid of this uh cheese don't worry about the red meat but uh I got rid of that too so uh thank you for this opportunity chuck i will uh i will finish it just by saying uh i appreciate this church i appreciate the prayer team and uh uh, I, although I don't wish that uh, you, any of you have to uh, go through this intense of a, an experience twice, I, I God knew that uh, in order to wake me up, because I'm fairly hard headed, uh, he has to take uh, pretty significant measures. So thank you, Chuck.
1: Yeah, so I, I've known Sean for 18 years. Uh, he first met him on the baseball field, and he coached some of our kids and, and all. And Kim and I were just talking about this yesterday. I was talking about how Sean's going to be sharing. She's like, did you ever think he'd be in our church, A, in our church or sharing something? I'm like, no, because when we met, yeah, just there was no, God wasn't on the radar, right? And yet then all of a sudden, out of the blue, we were good. We were friends, but out of the blue, I found out that he literally died, and they came, he, he came back, and, uh, and the result of that was he put his faith in Jesus Christ, and has been a different person. Most of you only know Sean like this. This is a shock to me, because I, I knew him before, just like if you knew me. Well, I've told enough stories. You know what I was like. But anyway, the, uh, but it, it's just amazing to see how God took him. He was physically, spiritually dead. God dried up that brook, and yet God brought him back and then but even though even then we say okay i 'm living for God now i 'm doing everything for God, but wham, he got hit hard i He was in a lot of pain for several days, and it was life threatening um, it was life threatening um, what what happened to him fortunately monica said i 'm going to the hospital, and i 'm going to deal with this, so she got it out, <laughs> so she took charge, but uh, it was life threatening and uh, but God how he He brought him to salvation through that intense time of pain and then how he refined him. And he's just sharing some of the stuff. He refined many, many things in his life uh, through these these painful events. And that's what God does, expect the unexpected. Expecting the unexpected, that God will will use something in our life. Uh, what, What has he dried up in your life? How is he trying to get your attention? How is he trying to transform us? And there's lots of different brooks. There's health, but there's many different brooks. Are we, are we learning that complete dependence? Are we learning that? Are we getting ready for the next step? God has ne- next, another step of faith for us are we getting ready for the next step which we'll talk about next week maybe and you're not a christian is god bringing you to your knees he whispers and then he you know knocks and then he shouts and then it's <laughs> the you know the big bop you know but he he'll, he'll bring us to our knees to bring us to him what is he using to bring you to your knees to the cross to the feet of jesus christ to to finding forgiveness to finding a brand new life in jesus christ we can only find that through faith in jesus John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus, believed him, put your faith in him to find that brand new life, now and forever? It starts the moment you pray it, now and forever. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us? Maybe you've put your faith in Christ. He's brought you to the cross. You've given your life to Him, but He's bringing us to a whole new level of faith, a whole new level of dependence. Maybe He's stirring in us to prepare us for, to move us in a whole new direction. Maybe moving physically, but it may be just moving a different direction in life. And He's using. Something to, to prepare us for that, to give birth to this new direction. We'll really focus on that next week. But maybe our prayer today is God, what are you trying to do in my life? Where do you want me? And while we're praying about that, maybe you're here today you you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never acted on John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But God has brought you to the end of self, brought you to your knees, to the cross, to Jesus. Will you surrender your life to him right now? The prayer of faith, God, I believe Jesus did die for me, on the cross for me. He was born at Christmas so that he could die for me. I ask you to forgive me everything I've ever done that goes against your word or your will or your purpose. Forgive me. I believe Jesus paid for that. He took that sin and shame upon himself. I'm putting my faith in him. I give my life to you, God. Surrender my life to you. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, something amazing has happened. You may have not had a, a near death experience, but you have just passed from death to life. You've be- just become a new person a new creation in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you now and your life will never be the same. I want to encourage you to let somebody know you've taken that step of faith, whether you're here with a family member or a friend or you want to tell me on the way out or fill out the card and stick it in the box on the way out or text me, email me, call me. Let somebody know so that we can be excited for you in your new life in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that each one of us would see your purpose for everything that we're going through. We would see your purpose, that you're preparing us for eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.